Father, we do thank You once again for the time of worship, God. Just the reminder that You are eternal, that You are awesome and great and mighty. And Lord, our, our days are in Your hand. We know, God, that You have created us for eternal life and that You have given us such great and wonderful promise. And in this we rejoice. But Lord, as we are here upon the earth, we, we are also exhorted to pray for healing, God. You've asked us that if any among us is sick, that we would come and ask for prayer, pray in faith, believing that, God, You are able to touch and work. And so tonight, we want to lift up our brother John to touch him, Lord, physically. God, he needs a miracle from You. We pray that You would touch him in his body tonight and heal him. God, we pray that You would hold his days in Your hand, that You would extend his time. God, ultimately, we entrust him to Your care and to your love and your grace. And God, keep him in that place of love and confidence tonight, Lord. Physically, he may be weak, but Lord, may he be strong spiritually. Lord, for his wife as well, that you would comfort her and just come alongside them as a family, Lord. And many others here tonight, Lord, we know are struggling with serious physical health issues. And God, I would ask that you would minister tonight, minister healing in our midst. A touch from heaven, God, is what we need. May you strengthen us physically. And God, we ask now that you would feed us spiritually. As we open your word together, speak to our hearts, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please open your Bibles with me to Joshua chapter 8. Joshua chapter 8. Tonight we want to talk about defeat turned into victory. Uh, You'll remember back in Joshua chapter 7, we saw the children of Israel defeated at Ai, they were uh, there was sin in the camp. Achan had stolen some forbidden items from their conquest at Jericho. The Lord said all of that was to be given as first fruits unto the Lord. Achan coveted those things, took it into his own tent, hid it. It caused a defeat as the children of Israel went to their next city of battle, which was Ai. And uh, so we saw that Achan's sin was dealt with and addressed, but we also saw some other things. We saw that the spies were a little overconfident, weren't they? After that victory in Jericho, they went out, they spied the land there at Ai and and came back and they said to uh, to Joshua, you only need to send two or three thousand guys up there. It's a pretty... Pretty easy battle, not, not very strong. And so they, Joshua, listening to his leaders, instead of consulting and praying to God, he listened to his military leaders. And so he sent this small uh, complement of men, and they were defeated and routed and chased. And, of course, uh, there was 36 of them actually died in the battle. Sin was revealed and purged, but we did see some, uh, some failure here. Joshua, a lack of prayer. Uh, an overconfidence in the spies, a presumption. Joshua listening to men rather than listening to God and hearing from the Lord. No prayer, no seeking the Lord. Just, sure, we're on a roll, go on up there. But now they've come to this place and they realize that they failed. They realize that there was sin in the camp. All that has been addressed. And the question is now what? What do you do after, after a failure? What do you do... When you blow it. And Joshua has blown it. He knows it. Spies were overconfident. Achan's sin. All of it's been dealt with. God is forgiven. But how do we respond in a time like this? You know, it can be a very uh, vulnerable time after a failure. You can imagine in your heart, well, maybe God's plans are changed now. And uh, I wonder what Joshua was praying through. Maybe the Lord's not going to take us and give us the promised land because of our failure. Maybe... Uh, we had our chance, but it didn't work out. You know, my wife and I, we quote this little line from a movie, and it's got this little uh, Irish accent, and we constantly quote it to one another. It goes something like this, forgive my Irish accent. You had your chance, and you flubbed it. <laughs> and that's what we quote to one another. So, I think it's from an old John Wayne movie, The Quiet Man or something, but... Um, Anyway, you know, that's the way you feel sometimes. You had your chance, you blew it. Oh, well, I guess that won't work out now. Now what? And this is kind of where the nation of Israel is. This is where Joshua is. Lord, what are you going to do with us? Here we are. We're a bunch of blow-its. We messed up. Uh, but the Lord still has a plan. And the grace of God comes through. Pick it up with me now. 
in chapter 8 and verse 1. Take a look at these first couple of verses. Now the Lord said to Joshua, Do not be afraid nor be dismayed. Take all the people of war with you and arise. Go up to Ai. See, I have given into your hand the king of Ai, his people, his city, and his land. And you shall do to Ai and its king as you did to Jericho and its king. Only its spoil and its cattle you shall take as booty for yourselves. Lay an ambush for the city behind it. The Lord said. Boy, that was, those, those were the three words missing in chapter 7. The Lord said. Instead, it was what man was saying. It was what they were thinking. It was their own presumption. But now, Joshua is back where he belongs. Back in prayer. Back on his knees before the Lord. Back in communion and fellowship with God. He got away. He got distracted. He got overconfident. But now, he's back in touch with the Lord. And now the Lord sends word. He he receives a word from the Lord. And how precious a word from God is in our hearts, especially a word like this, a word of encouragement. We need encouragement from time to time, don't we? Especially after a failure, especially after something that we, we know we didn't do or handle well. And God comes in and He says, listen, be strong. Uh, don't be afraid. Don't be dismayed. I'm still with you. This word of encouragement, you know, so much of the condemnation of the past, so much of a fear of the future can paralyze us in these moments. But here comes the Lord. Don't be afraid. Don't be dismayed. Arise. I'm still with you. And he gives not only encouragement, but he, he, he establishes again his promise. I have given into your hand. The king of Ai. You know, again, we see the Lord talking in past tense. It hasn't happened yet, but because God has determined that it will happen, He says, I have given you. This battle is already won, Joshua. It was always won, but it was it needed to be won as you walked with me, as you walked in holiness before me as a people. This is my plan for you. It reminds me of Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3. You know, we're on our Bible ministry school. We're going through the book of Ephesians. We just looked at this, this past tense, the way God speaks about His blessings. In Ephesians 1 and verse 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. God has already blessed us as His people. He has already lavished upon us every spiritual blessing that we need. Peter says that we have everything that we need pertaining to life and godliness through these precious and magnificent promises. God has made us a partaker of His divine nature. So God has blessed us. God is for us. And so nothing has changed, Joshua. God is still with you. A word of encouragement, a word of promise, and also a word of instruction. He says, listen, you're going to lay an ambush for the city. You're going to be able to keep the booty of this city. God giving now some specifics in the battle. Before, he was listening to his military leaders. Oh, just send two or three thousand up. God said, now you're going to listen to me. We're going to do this the way I instruct you. And that's the way it should be. Spiritual leaders need to hear from God. Not take poll and opinion from men, but rather, what is God looking to do? And these kinds of instructions are found in prayer. They are found in the Word of God as you renew your mind in His Word. And this is where you're going to find instruction for your life too. You you may need a word from the Lord tonight. You may need direction from God. It's not going to come necessarily by some lightning in the sky. You're going to have to go into that quiet place. You're going to have to go into that secret place and open your heart to God and in prayer and in the, in the meditating upon His Word, let God speak to you. You know, God has revealed so much of His mind in His Word. If we would but take the time to learn and really make His Word something that is hidden in our heart, oftentimes we will have the right instruction Without needing a special word, we already know the word and it leads us, it directs us. There are some things you don't even, you don't have to think about because you know from the word of God what God thinks about certain things, certain decisions. So these instructions are found 
in the Lord and in relationship with Him. And Joshua is back where he belongs, in fellowship with God. And God simply says, we're going forward from here. Isn't that a good word? Yes, you made a mistake. Yeah, you missed it. Yeah, you fell short. But guess what? We're going on from here. God is still moving forward with His people. And it is a testimony of the grace of God. It's not something we deserve. It's not something we earn. But it is something that God gives by His grace. You know, the Apostle Paul knew something of the grace of God. He said in 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 9, he said, I am the least of the apostles who am not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. Talk about a mistake. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. It's the grace of God that moves us forward in our spiritual life, in ministry, in fruitfulness. It's not something we earn. It's not something that our good works can produce. It's the grace of God that will bring about fruitfulness in our lives. And what can we do? Anybody ever made a mistake? You ever blown it? What do you do? What can you do? Quit? Feel sorry for yourself? Feel condemned? You know, pity party? Um, Feel like God can't really use you anymore? I mean, these are the things that we wrestle through. What can we do? Listen, repent. Confess your sin. Receive forgiveness from the Lord. Get back into your devotional life with Him and move forward in faith. That's all you can do, is move forward in the grace of God. Hear that word of encouragement, that word of promise, and that instruction to move forward. Let's take a look here. This is exactly what Joshua does. He moves forward in faith. Pick it up now in verse 3. So Joshua did what? He arose, and all the people of war to go up against Ai. And Joshua chose 30,000 mighty men of valor, and sent them away by night. And he commanded them, saying, Behold, you shall lie in ambush against the city, behind the city. Do not go very far from the city, but all of you be ready. Then I and all the people who are with me will approach the city, and it will come about when they come out against us, as at the first, that we shall flee before them. In other words, we're going to pretend that this is a repeat of the last time we came up against them. Verse 6, For they will come out after us till we have drawn them from the city, for they will say they are fleeing before us as at the first. Therefore we will flee before them. Then you shall rise from the ambush and seize the city, for the Lord your God will deliver it into your hand. And it will be when you have taken the city that you shall set the city on fire according to the commandment of the Lord you shall do. See, I have commanded you. So now a new battle strategy is being introduced. This is a whole new plan. This is completely different than the Jericho plan. Remember the Jericho plan? Jericho plan was march around the city for seven days and then seven times on the last day, shout and all the walls will come down. You know, wouldn't it be great if that's just the way the Lord did it all the time? But we see that God does things differently for different battles and different seasons. God's not going to let you and I put Him into a formula. We'd like to just do this, 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 and this, and it'll always work. But God doesn't operate that way. God wants to keep a relationship going with you and I. He wants you to check in with Him. He wants a certain dependence upon Him. Lest you just need, don't need Him, you know the formula, it's the magic secret, the magic you know, faith words that always bring about the certain end result. But we see that God is bringing an entirely new plan, an entirely different plan. They're not going to be allowed to depend on their past victories or strategies. They're not going to be able to develop some religious formula. They're going to have to remain dependent on fresh instruction and inspiration from the Lord. And I believe this is what God desires in our relationship with Him. He wants it to be alive. He wants it to be fresh. He wants it to be new every morning. He wants us to be in this very um, life relationship. Nothing stale, nothing old, nothing stiff, nothing rigid, nothing, you know, in in some kind of a 
a formula fashion. God seems to work this way. You'll see it in the way that He conducts battles here with His children. You may remember Jesus and the way that He ministered. I mean, there were times when He ministered a certain way and healed somebody. There were times He did it a completely different way. And sometimes He was there and He touched them. Sometimes He just said, go home, your, your daughter's well. Sometimes He put mud in the eyes and washed them. Sometimes He sent them to go wash themselves and the leprosy was that God, Jesus was not predictable in, his, in the way that He ministered. And so we see something here of the Lord as well. You know, let me re- read to you out of Luke chapter 5. And I have it, I think, hopefully I'll have it up for you on the overhead as well. Here's what Jesus said, And no one puts new wine into old wineskins, or else the new wine will burst the wineskins and be spilled, and the wineskins will be ruined. But new wine must be put into new wineskins, and both are preserved. And no one, having drunk old wine, immediately desires new, for he says the old is better." Jesus, in the context here, he's talking about kind of the old, rigid religion of the Pharisees. And they were wanting to put Jesus in that box of the way they did things. Hey, you do, you're doing things differently. That's not the way we do things around here. We're the Pharisees, and we've always done it this way. Why aren't your disciples fasting like, our, like we are, like John the Baptist's disciples are? Why are you breaking the mold? And Jesus said, look, you don't put a new work that God wants to do, something new, a fresh work of the Spirit is not put into old wineskins. New wine, of course, expands as it ferments, and it would burst the the old, already stretched out wineskins. Both the wineskins are ruined and the wine is lost. Jesus is giving this analogy but he's talking about spiritual things. But I like there, verse 39, he says, No one having drunk old wine immediately desires new, for he says the old is better. Boy, that's true, isn't it? Nobody likes change. This is the way we've always done it. It's always worked. It's good enough. We don't want new. We don't want something different. We resist change. And Jesus understood that. But listen, the way the Lord wants to work in our lives, it's it's this ever-living, changing, dynamic relationship that is exciting, that is powerful, that is living. And this is what God desires to put into our hearts, even in the person of the Holy Spirit. If we become rigid, we become stiff, guess what? We can't be filled with the new wine. We need to keep our hearts open and tender before the Lord. We need to be seeking His will on a regular basis, seeking His guidance. I want to be led by the Holy Spirit, not some religious program, not some way I've always done it. Now, there are some things, of course, that, that remain in, in our relationship with Him. They become something of a, of a discipline and a pattern. But I believe that God is looking to do new things in our lives. I don't believe the Christian life is supposed to be dull and kind of predictable. Who knows what the Lord wants to do in your life? Who knows what God has for you this year? Who knows the things that God will, you know, has, in, has in store for you? That's kind of what the Apostle Paul said, you know, the, uh, things above and beyond all that you can even ask or think. God wants to be alive and vibrant in our lives, and it, and it, come, it doesn't come through this you know, kind of repeat of, of old programs, but rather a newness of the Spirit. Now, it's not just random change for change's sake, but rather prayerful, open to the direction and leading of the Holy Spirit. And we certainly see that here in Joshua's battle. This is a whole different plan. Let's read on here and we'll see how the Lord brings this victory. Verse 9, Joshua therefore sent them out, and they went to lie in ambush and stayed between Bethel and Ai, on the west side of Ai, but Joshua lodged that night among the people. Then Joshua rose up early in the morning, and he mustered the people, and went up, and he and the elders of Israel, before the people to Ai. And all the people of war who were with him went up and drew near. And they came before the city and camped on the north side of Ai. Now a valley lay between them and Ai, so he took about 5,000 men, and set them in ambush between Bethel and Ai on the west side of the city. 
And when they had set the people, all the army that was on the north of the city and its rear guard on the west of the city, Joshua went that night into the midst of the valley. So you can see Joshua is kind of setting this trap, setting men, hiding in ambush, but now he's going to come and be visible. Verse 14, now it happened. When the king of Ai saw it, that the men of the city hurried and rose early and went out against Israel to battle, he and all his people at an appointed place before the plain. But he did not know that there was an ambush against him behind the city. Verse 15, And Joshua and all Israel made as if they were beaten before them and fled by the way of the wilderness. So all the people who were in Ai were called together to pursue them. And they pursued Joshua and were drawn away from the city. There was not a man left in Ai or Bethel who did not go out after Israel. So they left the city open and pursued Israel. So you see how this trap is being sprung. This is exactly what the Lord told him back in verse 2 where we started. He said, listen, I've given you the city. You're going to lay, set an ambush against this city. God had given Joshua this strategy. Now, the men of Ai, they had seen the children of Israel come up against them before. So this for them was just a repeat. Here they are again. They think now they're stronger. But now we see them fleeing as we're coming out. They're getting scared again. We've got them on the run again. The men of Ai are now overconfident. They remember last time and they all pursue. They didn't leave anybody behind to keep guard in the city. They just completely flooded out against this trick that Joshua had laid for them. And what's interesting here is that God is actually using the failed mission to help accomplish the victory in the renewed mission. In other words, God is actually redeeming the failure and turning it into victory. Now, God doesn't need our failures to bring victory, nor does God desire our failures. But it is a testimony that God is, by His grace and power, able to redeem our failures. That's what's happening here. The men of Ai are confident because of the prior battle. And God is using that prior battle, that failure, to actually accomplish victory for His people. And this speaks to God's ability in our lives. Because when we make a mistake, when we fall short, when we miss the mark, when we blow it in some way, oftentimes we imagine that, you know, that can't be redeemed. That can't be undone. Now, there are, at times, of course, consequences that come with our failure, and with our shortcomings. But don't imagine that God can't somehow still redeem it and eventually use it for good and blessing in your life. Again, He doesn't need that, nor does He want you to go out, I'm going to run out and fail so God will have something to work with. It's not like that. But... Because we do fail, because we are imperfect, because we do miss the mark, we do make mistakes, even leaders, even ministries, even families and marriage, all of that, God can still redeem that when we surrender it back to Him. Joshua is back where he belongs. Lord, back where I need to be, dependent on You, looking to You. You tell us what to do. And God is now using this prior failure to actually bring about his victory. Do you remember, Joseph, do you remember the evil that was done to him by his brothers? Now, you know that God did not desire for his brothers to do that evil to him. That was not God's will for the brothers. God did not stir up the brothers of you know the other sons of Jacob to do evil against Joseph but they did in their jealousy and in their scheming and in their planning remember but God was able to redeem it wasn't he was able even to use what these men what meant for evil God was able to ultimately use it to accomplish good 
And that's exactly what was said at the end when it was all, you know, when, jo- when Joseph came to that place where God ultimately had him and his brothers were worried now that Joseph was in power, I wonder if he's going to try and get even with us. But he said this in Genesis 50 and verse 20, As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. Whatever your situation is, whatever mess your life may be in, even in this moment, and some of it your own fault, maybe all of it your own fault, listen, surrender it back to the Lord. Give it back to the Lord. Don't try to fix it on your own. Don't try to scheme your way out of it. Don't Just stop and give it to God and say, Lord, I've made a mess of this. Here I am again. I surrender it to You. Lord, redeem it. Make something useful of this, Lord. Bring beauty from ashes. And only He can, but He can. And He will. And He does. Surrender it to the Lord. And watch God redeem even even our failures by His grace, by His power. Finish up here on this battle with me. Verse 18 through 29, we see that the Lord gives them this wonderful victory. The trap is laid. Ai and the men come out. Then the Lord, verse 18, Then the Lord said to Joshua, Stretch out the spear that is in your hand toward Ai, for I will give it into your hand. And Joshua stretched out the spear that was in his hand toward the city, so uh, so those in ambush arose quickly out of their place. They ran as soon as he had stretched out his hand, and they entered the city and took it, and hurried to set the city on fire. And when the men of Ai looked behind them, they saw, and behold, the smoke of the city ascended to heaven. So they had no power to flee this way or that way. And the people who had fled to the wilderness turned back on the pursuers. Now when Joshua and all Israel saw that the ambush had taken the city and that the smoke of the city ascended, they turned back and struck down the men of Ai. And then the others came out of the city against them. So they were caught in the midst of Israel, some on this side, some on that side. And they struck them down so that they let none of them remain or escape. But the king of Ai they took alive and brought him to Joshua. And it came to pass when Israel had made an end of slaying all the inhabitants of Ai in the field and the wilderness when they pursued them, and when they had fallen by the edge of the sword until they were consumed, that all Israelites returned to Ai and struck it with the edge of the sword. So it was that all who fell that day, both men and women, were twelve thousand, all the people of Ai. For Joshua did not draw back his hand with which he stretched out the spear until he had utterly destroyed all the inhabitants of Ai. Only the livestock and the spoil of that city Israel took as booty for themselves, according to the word of the Lord which he had commanded Joshua. Verse 28, So Joshua burned Ai and made it a heap forever, a desolation to this day. And then the king of Ai, he hanged on a tree until evening. And as soon as the sun was down, Joshua commanded that they should take his corpse down from the tree, cast it at the entrance of the gate of the city, and raise over it a great heap of stone that remains to this day. So a great victory is given to Joshua, the children of Israel. They completely wiped out the city of Ai. Now, talked about this in time passed, but just a a reminder, we can read this and we can say, wow, it seems kind of harsh that God would have them destroy men and women, the entire city. But we have to remember that this was a people that had been given 400 years of mercy. 400. Remember, it was Abraham whom God said, I'm not going to give you this land yet because the sins of the Amorites is not yet full. I'm going to continue to extend mercy on them. I'm going to continue to give them opportunity to turn their hearts and to repent of their pagan and sinful ways. And 400 years went by. But this now is a people, this is a generation that is lost. This is a people that are completely engulfed in their sin. 
And now comes this judgment. You know, as we think about the book of Revelation, you know, you read the book of Revelation and it's pretty um, alarming to see the kind of judgment that God is going to be pouring out on the earth. But we have to remember that you know, God is not mocked. What a man sows, he will reap. And, and if, if, an, if a people refuse to submit to God and His authority and His Lordship, although He is merciful, although He is patient, if the heart is just resistant and hardened, in the end, God will bring about His wrath and judge those that refuse to change and, and, uh, and receive His mercy. But we see the secret here, don't we? The secret to this battle is the Lord. And it's being close to the Lord. And it's Joshua where he needs to be as the leader, staying close to the Lord. I want to put that verse from Ephesians up for you again. We talked about the blessings that God has given to us. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Yes, God is a God that wants to bless and wants to lavish and pour out all blessings. For Joshua and the children of Israel, it was in proper relationship to God. And so it is in the New Testament. And the way that we come into proper relationship with God is in Christ. These blessings are not just lavished on all. These are, these are blessings that are given to those that are in Christ. How, how do I become in Christ? By putting my faith and trust in Jesus and what He has done for me at the cross and receiving His work at the cross to forgive me of my sins. In that moment, I am adopted into His family. I am placed, I'm taken out of darkness and I am put into Christ. I become in Christ. I'm under the covering, the, the, the atonement, the priesthood of Jesus Christ now covers me, protects me. And that's where the blessings are. The blessings of God are all found in Christ. Did you notice something else here about this battle different than Jericho? In Jericho, all of the spoil and booty was to be given to the Lord. But in Ai... It was all given to the children of Israel. Ultimately, what God always had in mind. God was not holding back blessing. God was simply looking for them to honor Him with the first fruits of the conquest. And then now He is going to be giving them the reward of the battles of conquest as they go. Think of poor Achan. If he could have only just waited one battle, he would have had all the booty he could have possibly carried back to his tent. But he got, he got impatient. He didn't want to wait. The Lord would have blessed him. The Lord wanted to bless him. And we see here that the children of Israel now are enjoying that blessing. Doesn't that happen to us sometimes in our own spiritual walk as well? We become impatient. We don't want to wait on the Lord. We, we would like to have that instant gratification. We imagine that if we don't have this and we don't have it now, I, I won't be happy. I don't, I don't know if I can really trust the Lord for good things. I don't know if I can trust Him for his, on his, in His timing. And so we tend to strive. We tend to try to take matters into our own hands. It's a, it's a, a kind of a human condition and problem. It, it, when we lack faith, we want to do it ourselves. And God gives instruction that we would wait, that we would trust, that we would walk by faith. Even Abraham and Sarah, remember? I suppose we would all be guilty after a hundred years waiting on a child. We'd better do this ourselves, right? And, and, and Sarah said, you're just going to have to go in, you know, to my handmaiden Hagar. And Ishmael was born. That wasn't what God had in mind at all. And so it happens when we get ahead of the Lord, we become impatient. We don't want to wait on His blessing. Well, I've met this person. I'm lonely. I want to be. I don't want to be lonely. There, they seem nice. They like me. I don't. If I evangelize them, maybe they'll become a Christian. I mean, I, I, let's see what happens. And off we go. Wait instead of waiting on what God would have, waiting on what God would bring. So we need to be mindful that God ultimately wants to bless. Listen, God doesn't want to hold back any good thing from us. 
If there is anything that God truly keeps from us, it's for our good, it's for our protection, it's for our development in faith and trust. He knows what we're going to need for the battles yet to come. And it becomes a training point, it becomes a point of maturing faith, and it becomes a place of protection because God ultimately wants to give you the best. He has the best in mind for you. Romans 8.32 He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? God wants to bless his children. God wants to give good gifts to his children. God had much blessing for this the nation of Israel, but he wants to do it as you walk with him in faith. Not, you know, grabbing for yourselves, not trying to, uh, you know, get ahead of him or trying to, you know, doubt him, but rather walk in trust. God loves you. He, he who gave his own son. Don't you think he'll give you every good thing that you need? God knows what you need. God knows what you need. He knows what you need financially. He knows what you need emotionally. He knows what you need spiritually. And as you trust Him and as you walk in confidence with Him, He will bless you. Wait on Him. Trust Him. Let Him work. Let Him show His goodness to your life as you walk with Him in faith. And in time, the Bible says He makes all things beautiful in His time. Finish up now the chapter with me. The, the response at the end now is a time of rededication and worship. After this battle is won, verse 30. Now Joshua built an altar to the Lord God of Israel in Mount Ebal, as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded the children of Israel, as it is written in the book of the law of Moses, an altar of whole stones over which no man has wielded an iron tool. And they offered on it burnt offerings to the Lord and sacrificed peace offerings. This was, this was Moses' instruction. Uh, some of his final instructions, listen, when you go into the land, go to these two mountains, and at Mount Ebal set up a, an altar, an altar that, uh, with stones that no man has touched. This is to be not, nothing uh, that would be tarnished by man, but something holy unto God. And they offered on it burnt offerings to the Lord and sacrificed peace offerings. Verse 32, And there, in the presence of the children of Israel, he wrote on the stones a copy of the law of Moses, which he had written. Then all Israel, with their elders and officers and judges, stood on either side of the ark before the priests, the Levites who bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord, the stranger as well as he who was born among them. Half of them were in front of Mount Gerizim, and the other half of them was in front of, uh, were in front of Mount Ebal, as Moses the servant of the Lord had commanded before that they should bless the people of Israel." And you can find all this instruction in the book of Deuteronomy. He divided the tribes, split them, and they're in this valley between these two mountains. Some are to stand before this mountain, some before this mountain. Verse 34. And afterward, he read all the words of the law, the blessings and the cursings, according to all that is written in the book of the law. There was not a word of all that Moses had commanded, which Joshua did not read before all the assembly of Israel, with the women, the little ones, and the strangers who were living among them. This is a huge outdoor service, and they are doing it per instruction that Moses had given to them. Some standing before Mount Gerizim, and from Mount Gerizim the blessings were to be pronounced, and the congregation, after each blessing, the congregation, the people in the valley said, Amen. And then also from Mount Ebal, the cursings were to be announced. And as the cursings were announced one by one, all the people in front of that mountain said, Amen. So it was this very you know, involved and uh, very practical way of getting God's people together and, and acknowledging His Word. And at the altar of Mount Ebal, which is where the cursings were pronounced, this altar of sacrifice was to be made. Again, atonement for those cursings uh, demonstrated there in this very practical kind of outdoor lesson that God had for His people. And this is the way they rededicated and reestablished their hearts now after this victory. You know, we see this a lot in the Old Testament. 
And, of course, we do see certain instructions for various kinds of um, practices that we should embrace in the New Testament as well. Uh, for In the New Testament, for example, we're, uh, baptism is something that is important in the life of the believer. The communion table is something that's to be honored and done in remembrance of the Lord. We see God getting His people actively involved in their life of worship. We see God kind of, you know, using audible and visual lessons for His people. And uh, He gets them participating. And say Amen over here, and say Amen over here. Kind of, you know, the cursings, the blessings, two mountains, it's obvious, you have choices here. This one is good, this one is bad, everybody says Amen. God's Word is reminded, we recommit our way to the Lord, we hide His Word in our heart. And God is kind of really getting His people involved in their life of worship. And, you know, if I guess we could say, Lord, is all of that really necessary? <laughs> I mean, do we really need to go through all these activities? Uh, can't we just kind of believe in our heart and, you know, go about our Christian life? And, you know, do we really need, like, you know, even in the New Testament, do, you know, do we need to... Um, you know, do I have to go to church to be a Christian? Um, does the Lord need that from me? I mean, do I have to, to kind of get involved in worship and sing these songs? Do I have to participate? Do I have to take communion? Do I really need to be baptized? Is all of this really necessary? Isn't salvation something that takes place in the heart? What about all this extra kind of involvement that God seems to engage His people in? And certainly a lot more in the Old Testament than what we have in the New. But still, even in the New, we see the church practicing a number of ordinances in order to honor the Lord. And of course, the truth is, none of those practices in and of themselves will really save you or benefit you. There's nothing about baptism that actually, you know, the water doesn't actually cleanse you from any sin. There's nothing really supernatural happening. You're getting wet. And, you know, but, but there is something going on in the heart, or at least there is supposed to be. So God is not, in, in not, God is not saying, look, do these religious things and you'll be, you'll be right with me. He's saying, get your heart right with me. And then practice these things as an expression of that right heart that you have with me. And, and God knows that we need that kind of involvement in our worship life. It, there's something healthy about these practices. Nothing, like I said, nothing spiritually um, uh, supernatural about these things. But there is something very supernatural about the relationship of our heart with the Lord. And as we commit ourselves to these things in obedience from our heart, there is blessing. So the communion table. It's a blessing if we do it with the right heart. That's what Paul had to correct in the Corinthian church. He says, you guys are doing this, but you're doing it all wrong and it's not benefiting you at all. You're missing the point. Rather, you should continue to do it but you should do it in the right way and with the right heart. So I would just encourage you to consider those opportunities that you have to worship, those opportunities that you have to to participate in those, um, we'll, we'll just call them religious practices that help connect you with your faith and with your walk in the Lord. If it's done with the right heart, it can be a great blessing in your life. And this is what God has in mind. Because you know what? We forget. Do I, have to be a, do I have to go to church to be a Christian? Well, no. Technically, no. That thief on the cross, he never had opportunity to go to church. He just died right then. And, but Jesus said, you'll be with me in paradise. Salvation came through faith in Christ. Not church attendance. But does fellowship in church, does studying the Word of God, do these things enrich us spiritually? I guess, do you want to be strong? Do you want to grow? Do you want to mature? Do you want to be fruitful? Do you want to go, you know, all the way with the Lord and what He has for you? Then then these things become part and parcel of your worship life. And again, not done out of guilt or fear or a sense of religious duty or pride, 
I went to church twice this week, you know. You lowly, you can just come on Sundays. I'm a Wednesday nighter, you know. I'm a, I'm, that's, that doesn't, that's not what the Lord's after. But I do, I do believe that there is something here. There's something, you know, God, you just seem to get your people into it. And it's, and it's not for Him. He doesn't need it. It's for us. We need it. We need those reminders. We need that, that, that connection with Him on a regular basis. And these disciplines that we can install in our lives, they just help keep the relationship vibrant and alive. I mean, my wife and I, we try to once a week, we try to go on a date night. You know, and it's like, you know, if we miss a week, it's no big deal. But we like to do that because it's just something that keeps, you know, the marriage. We're dating still. We're still going out and having a meal and talking and, you know, ministry aside, kids aside, everything. We just, her and I, and we have a chance to enjoy. Sometimes we just stay home. That's the best date night. Chinese and cuddle up by the fire, watch a good little, you know, Hallmark movie. I'm not big on those. <laughs> Listen, those things are those things are healthy in a relationship, and I, I, that's what I sense here that the Lord has for His people. You know, the Lord loves us. He wants to spend time with us. He wants to hang out with us. He wants us to be engaged in our fellowship with Him. That's what worship is about. That's what singing is about, making melody in our hearts. It's about loving on the Lord because He loves us. Don't you love, don't, isn't that what you desire too? Somebody that loves you back? And that's what God's heart desires. He's, God needs nothing from us and we can give Him nothing that He, that he truly needs. But yet... He desires this. He desires this life of worship with His people. And we see it all the way from the Old Testament. God engaging His people practically for their good, for their benefit, but I think also for His heart, that fellowship that He loves to have with His people. Let's pray. Father, we thank You. We thank You for this lesson in Joshua chapter 8. Lord, to me, it just so speaks of Your grace that You're able to take a a group of people who just failed You, just blew it, just, you know, made a huge mistake. And yet, Lord, You pick up right where they left off. They get their heart right. They come back to You. And You speak in their heart again. A word of encouragement, a word of promise, a word of instruction. And You give them this wonderful victory. You turn their defeat. You you redeem the mistake and turn it into opportunity for victory. And Lord, this only You can do these kinds of things. And so Lord, we just surrender our hearts to You tonight. Lord, maybe there's some in here tonight that are suffering a defeat. Some suffering, maybe a a defeat of their own doing, their own making. God, we would just surrender it to You. We would repent. We would say, forgive me. And God, set me back on solid ground. Pick me up from here, God, and use my life in some way for Your glory. I surrender it to You. Redeem the time that's been lost. Redeem my life. Redeem, Lord, what was forfeited and use it somehow for good because You love us and because You're God. And Lord, I pray that our worship life would be fruitful as a church, individually and corporately, that uh, we would just take advantage of opportunities to worship, Lord, to be with You, to, to, to sing to You, to participate in loving You, Lord, and thanking You, because You're so worthy of that. And as your heads are bowed here tonight and just finishing up in prayer, I do want to give an opportunity. If you're here tonight and you need to respond to the Lord, I would love to pray for you. And what I mean is someone that may be here tonight that doesn't have a relationship with God. We talked about these blessings that are available for those that are in Christ. Maybe you're here tonight and and you've never really given your heart to Jesus. You've never really come to Him in faith and said, Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I believe that You died on the cross for me and I I need that forgiveness. I I can't do it on my own. I acknowledge I I missed the mark and I'm asking You now to forgive me and to come into my life and be my Savior and be my Lord. 
Maybe you've never really had that, that time in your heart and the Lord's speaking to you. I'd love to just make that your prayer and we'll pray for you if you're here tonight. Maybe you need to recommit, rededicate your life. Maybe you're someone that's had a recent failure and you're feeling so unworthy. And maybe it's become a string of failures and maybe it's become even something of a lifestyle that's just been away from God. And you need to come back to Him just as Joshua did and recommit your heart and life and be at, be at His feet here tonight. I'd love to pray for you as well. So if you're here tonight and you'd like to receive Jesus for the very first time, or you would like to rededicate and recommit your life to Him, I would ask you to raise your hand where you're seated. Let me see you and I'll pray for you. Anybody here tonight? The Lord speaking to you. God bless you. Young lady, any others here tonight? Lord, speaking to you, ministering to your heart. And you as well, sir. Amen. The center. Amen. Anyone else here tonight? These two that have responded. We're going to pray for them. Anyone else? The Lord, speaking to you. And you need this prayer. So, Lord, I thank You. I thank You for these hearts here tonight responding to Your Word. And, Lord, I I cannot see into their hearts tonight, but You can. And, Lord, You are running to them with love and mercy. And Your Spirit is so embracing them even now. I pray that they would sense it and they would know it in their heart for certain. That they would stand on the promise that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so, Lord, tonight, for these that have responded, I pray a special blessing that they would, even as I've already prayed, they would just confess their sin to You. That they would simply say, Jesus, forgive me, cleanse me. I need You in my life. I invite You into my heart. I want to walk and live my life with You. I want You to be the Lord and I want You to save me from the mistakes, from the failure, from the sin. Lord, even where I'm at right now, I just surrender it to You now. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Lord bless you tonight. Why don't we stand now and uh, just close in a chorus of worship. Immediately following, I'll dismiss in prayer, and then we'll have prayer available here at the front. Anyone here needing prayer tonight, we invite you to come and check in with us before you leave. And those of you that raised your hands tonight, I just want to invite you to come and just let us pray with you. And uh, just affirm what God has done in your heart here tonight. We'd love to just spend that time with you. So after we close in song, just invite you to come and, and let us pray with you individually. And that would be a great blessing for us as well. Let's, uh, let's worship the Lord. So-